0: Welcome to Neighborly, a dinner party, house number 26, Little Street. In her dream, she wakes up in a house. She can't tell what sort of house it is from the inside, but the walls are light, bruised purple. There is a ceiling fan that spins much too slow, well suited for a lazy afternoon, but not the humid heat of the night. There is sweat at the back of her neck, and she thinks maybe this is why she's woken up. Everything is too warm, like she is being slow roasted. There is something strange about the walls though. If she concentrates, they seem to move slightly, in and out like they are unstable. She crawls out of bed to the walls and they are warm to touch. She can feel their movement under her fingers. These walls are definitely moving. It's an old room. So the paint is blistered and is peeling, so she peels it off some more. It takes quite a bit of effort, but it finally peels back like skin. Tough and leathery. Underneath the skin of the walls are tiny blue-black veins, and she's suddenly struck by the thought that this house has swallowed her up. Or perhaps she lives in its heart. Is there really a difference? She always wakes up, and she's always home. But is there really a difference? Gerard got her house for cheap. Haunted, she was told, but it's not like she believes in ghosts. It was just a half hour drive from work too, and she was only going to be there to sleep. The ghosts could have the house during the day if they wanted. She wouldn't disturb them as long as they didn't disturb her. It was fine. She had had worse roommates. She hadn't focused on furnishing or decorating much, simply set up her table, assembled her bed, and put the kitchen stuff away. The house had already been painted tooth white, which was fine. She wasn't a minimalist, but she'd be here a year at most. She never lived anywhere long enough to bother with knickknacks. As long as it was neat and not dusty, it would do. Another reason why Little Street was an ideal place to live was that it was so quiet. It really felt like the rest of the street simply stopped, and she was the only person there. She loved it. It let her focus on her work. Aside from smiling at the residents when she went out from groceries, no one bothered her either, and it was great. For a solid month, there were no signs of ghosts, and she congratulated herself on the steel that was House 26. No open doors or bleeding walls or running taps or strange knocks. Actually, if anything, the house was too quiet. She had taken to humming or leaving her music playing whenever she was home to dissipate the quiet, because she could never quite get rid of the mental image she had that the house was holding its breath. Which was ridiculous and not at all logical. Houses couldn't breathe. They didn't need the oxygen to circulate their veins. They didn't have veins. But somehow, she couldn't shake that feeling like a slow curling of hands around her neck the moment before the trap springs. Anticipation. Her therapist had said identifying emotions was the first step in dealing with them. Maybe the idea that a ghost was here, living in her house without her knowledge, had spooked her more than she initially realized. She didn't like the not knowing. But there was no evidence for a ghost. She was just being silly. Maybe she was still getting used to the move. When she got home on Saturday, her door wasn't locked. It was concerning, but she had overslept that morning, and maybe in the mad dash she had simply shut it and forgotten to lock it. Silly of her. Next time, she would have to always double-check the doors. She walked in and dropped her bag onto the couch as she made her way into the kitchen, and there was a woman there. Plain and simple, the woman had long hair and was standing staring at the water filter, with her back to Gerard. Had this woman broken into her house? Christ, this is what she got for forgetting to lock the door. Hello? Gerard stated, her voice apprehensive. What sort of person just broke into another person's house to stand in their kitchen? This was ridiculous. The woman turned around to see who had called her, and her eyes went wide before, well, Gerard didn't know how to describe what the woman did next. It was like she took a breath and simply dissipated. Into the air, allowing the mass of her to separate and dissolve into the atmosphere. And seeing her not there felt more right than having her exist in the kitchen, a foreign particle in an intercostal space. The last image she left Gerard were her eyes, wide and deep as a pit that wanted to swallow her whole. It must have been the heat getting to her, People didn't just disappear into nothingness. She must have imagined a woman standing in the kitchen. She had been overworking, and the lack of sleep finally caught up with her. Even though it was a month in, her daily routine wasn't as well established as she liked, and she had thrown herself into her work to avoid feeling like she was slipping off a cliff. The next day, she double-checked the doors when leaving, just in case. It took a couple more weeks for her to feel settled and at home, and she hadn't imagined the woman since. But one unsuspecting Saturday, she got home and there she was again. Long, green dress, untrimmed flowing hair, nearly translucent skin. The air was cooler around her, like she was leeching the warmth in, gulping it down with her skin, and Gerard couldn't shake the feeling that she was intruding somehow. There was a ghost in her kitchen, and she was worried she was being impolite to it, not mindful of its privacy. For heaven's sake, it was her kitchen, not the ghost's. You've got to leave, Gerard said firmly, her mouth twisted in displeasure. I don't know where you came from, or where ghosts go, but wherever it is, go there. I'm terribly busy. The ghost frowned its sorrowful demeanour taking on mass until it felt denser, but no more solid than before. Just more present. It looked at Gerard again before leaning back and opening its mouth up. Less a mouth, more a garment whose seams had come undone, letting out an anguished scream. Her teeth lined the edge of whatever the cavity spitting her face apart was, and Gerard knew she was going to get her. Christ, shut up, will you? This is a quiet neighborhood and you can't do that, said Gerard with a roll of her eyes. You want to stay here? Fine. But stop screaming. The ghost obliged and whispered something Gerard couldn't quite make out before rushing at her as if to swallow her up. Eat her and keep her there with her, forever trapped in this house doomed to an eternity haunting its inhabitants. Unpick her bone by bone with its teeth until she was nothing more than a bloodstain spilling on the floor and seeping into the crack but just before it could touch her, it dissipated. Just like before. Into the atmosphere, returning to the house. A key turning into a lock, clicking shut. That's what the disappearance was like. The ghost didn't bother her much after that. It was much like a house cat in the way it stared at the coffee maker for hours, startling when Jared came near it. One evening, it got the closest it dared trying to dig its fingernails into her flesh, scraping at her with them. It didn't hurt. Gerard couldn't feel it at all. So the ghost pushed against her shoulder with its knuckles, its own fingers twisting with the effort, blooming rose-red. "'Do you want to tell me something?' Gerard asked, looking up. Then the ghost unzipped its mouth and the wails poured out. "'Hey! Stop screaming!' she snapped at it. "'What happened?' It looked at her with such sorrow, an expression that stretched out over the sea and hooked into her with ropes drawing her in. Her ghost was gone, but the depth remained, making the atmosphere bend where she stood. She had left her feelings behind. That night Gerard dreamt she was in a maze walking, but the maze was a body, and the path prepared for her were the veins. She was treading on blood, a modern day miracle and there the ghost was stepping first into the shadows and then through her. And for a moment, Gerard felt as if she was made of brick and wood, left out in the sun and smoked through in a kiln. She was an exoskeleton of mud, and through the ghost she could see the walls breathe. The house and the ghost were taking her into the place that was waiting for her, the head of the table in the kitchen. "'What do you want?' she tried to say, but her words dissolved in her mouth. This was the house's realm, and she was only a guest here, trapped and bound by its laws and rules. The ghost sat at the kitchen table, and Gerard was struck by the sudden realization that this was where it fit. It was a part of the house. Its eyes and hands, a personification of it, come to greet her. This was the house, and it loved her in its own strange way. She took her place at the head of the table, and the ghost placed a dish in front of her, the feast the house had prepared. Her own severed head, ready for her to eat. And if I refuse? she asked, and the house allowed the question. The house echoed back her words as if it had swallowed from her lips. You want... She didn't. She really didn't. She was in this labyrinthine maze of a house and was in over her head. I don't want this. She didn't like this street, this home, this ghost. She didn't understand what was happening. She had fallen into a mystery and she wanted out. The fleshy walls pulsed and moved. The floor was unsteady and warm under her bare feet. The tongue-like table stretched into infinity and the ghost opened its mouth to scream. Gerard opened her eyes and sat up in her bed, sweat drenched. She had to leave. She had work in the morning. She didn't have time to unravel the house methodically and figure out the tragedy in its heart. It could rot for all she cared. Someone else could puzzle it out and fix it. She was going to apply for a transfer and leave. Maybe a brand new city with more people and without strange girls standing in her front yard staring across the street. A nice, ghostless apartment. Her ghost stood at her bed watching. Always. Gerard had looked into the depths of the house and did not like it. Didn't want to hold it and love it to fullness. And why should she? Whatever was wrong here was none of her business. She just wanted to go home. And the house knew that, and it was only a matter of time before it lashed out. It was processing what had happened. Her refusal to eat herself and stay with it forever. This was not her home. Her home was somewhere away. She could never return to, but this house would never become a home. Not hers, at least. This was simply a race against time. Gerard went back to work and called up the movers. There was an apartment in the city she could move into after a week, and until then she could stay at a hotel. When she went back that evening, her ghost lay in her bed, her mouth open and its lifeless eyes staring at the ceiling and moving, strangled. She reached out and it dissolved into the air one final time. In her dreams, sometimes she still returns to that house. It always refuses to be alive there, like she is looking at a photograph instead of visiting. She had sent the new tenants a letter after the posting for the house had been taken off the website, but she never got a reply. Maybe someone else could love it, but she knew that her decision had made her dead to it forever. Her ghost was proof of that. Neighborly is distributed under a Creative Commons attribution chair like 4.0 International License. Today's house was written by A. Gabrielle, with dialogue editing by Kit Robson, soundscaping by Matthew O.K. Smith, music by Alex Schwartz, and art by Cloudy Apple Art. The narrator is voiced by Matthew O.K. Smith. To find out more, visit neighborlypod.card.co or follow us on social media at neighborlypod. If you enjoyed listening today, information on how you can support us will be included in the episode description. Most of all, we would appreciate it if you told a friend. Because they might tell a friend, and they might tell a friend, and who knows? Eventually, um, God might finally listen to us. Today's mysterious writing on the wall says, "To whom it may concern, please stop writing on me. It really hurts." Sincerely, the wall. Thanks for listening. Come back soon.
1: What would you do if one day you came home to find your hometown destroyed by fire? What if people told you that it isn't the first time something like this has happened? That more towns have disappeared like this, but somehow no one has tried doing anything about it? When Rina comes home to the ruins of her town and finds a strange artifact in the debris, she can not shake the feeling that something isn't adding up, that it couldn't just have been an accident that caused this tragedy. And so, she sets out to discover what actually happened, encountering other people on her journey that know that the authorities aren't telling them everything. But luckily, Rina isn't alone on her quest for the truth, because you can help her take the right path. It began with the smell. She frowned down at the ground, her smile falling from her lips, her nose picking up something that hadn't been there a second ago. She looked up and sniffed the air. She couldn't place the smell, but as she got closer to her village, it grew stronger. Her frown deepened as she realized that she was smelling fire. Not a cozy wooden fire that fills your heart with warm feelings of home. It was a vile, biting smell that brought horrible news with it. It smelled of burnt wood, scorched dirt, hot metal. And behind it all was a smell that Trina's mind didn't dare place something that made her stomach tighten and turn. It smelled like scorched hair, melted fat and boiling blood. The smell tore its way to her nose and clutched itself to her lungs so that it would never leave her mind again. The Heartpire is an interactive fantasy audio drama where after each episode listeners can vote for how the story should continue. Find the podcast on your favorite listening platform and follow it on social media to get the latest updates or go to theheartpire.com to find transcripts, character art, a map of the kingdom and other information.